What's going on, guys? This podcast is sponsored by Real Team Realty. That's right. I auto-sponsor this podcast. If you or anybody you know would like to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at underscore TonyV2. That's at underscore TonyV2. Thanks for listening. What's going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Today, guys, we're going to talk about offers, and we're going to talk about how to write an offer, how to decide what you're going to offer, and more importantly, how I've tried to do things, how I have learned over the last decade, kind of what the best way to go about this process is. I'm going to talk a little bit about how I did it early on, then I made a transition, then I made another transition, and it really has been a growing process when it comes to learning how to negotiate and learning how to put offers together. And so I get this question a lot. Because obviously, when people come to me as a real estate agent to buy their house, they're coming to me because of my expertise. They're coming to me and my team because you know we have a lot of experience. We've done a lot of deals, the social media that we do, you know, all these different kinds of things that we try to do to create confidence in the marketplace for the end consumer. And so when that happens and people feel that trust and that confidence, and then they come to us then you know that's where they kind of really see how the sausage is made, if you will. And so I want to give you guys three points that I think are critical when it comes to putting offers together that regardless of who you're working with, you should always keep in mind. Uh, I'll talk about, again, how I used to do it when I first started and then an interesting transition that I made. And all this is always based on experience. And so when I first got into real estate, uh, I didn't have any experience. Obviously, I, I was new, just like any other agent. I was brand new. I didn't know too much. I had a great mentor. I still have a great mentor to this day, Daniel, who kind of taught me the ropes and did all these different kinds of things to help me get educated really fast, to help kind of accelerate my growth process. And that was very valuable. But early on, when I would make offers, I didn't really understand the math very well. I didn't understand the financing side. I would do what most agents do, which is I would see how much the client qualified for if they qualified for $300,000. And I would send offers for somewhere under $300,000. And that was all I did. And I would, it was very basic. And I would just put my dates. I kind of had a standard uh, cookie cutter offer template, if you will. Now, times have changed and the market itself has forced agents to be much more creative. But when I first started, I it was just, all offers basically looked the same. I mean, you would ask for closing costs. You would do a week and a half of due diligence. You would do three weeks of financing and appraisal. You always had all of your contingencies. There was really no reason to get rid of them. And then you would close somewhere within four weeks. And every offer was pretty much the same. And so there wasn't a lot of thought into it. And the reason why is because the market didn't really require it. You know what I mean? We were still selling homes. We didn't lose too many offers. But we also weren't handling a large number of clients at that time. We were still relatively small. And so that was kind of the way it went. You know, a client would say, hey, I want to I want to make an offer. The home is listed at $300,000. we would make an offer for $300,000. And in many cases, even with closing costs, we would get under contract and it was great. There really wasn't a need to be ultra aggressive when I first started. But then the market started to shift. And when the market started to shift, I started to realize that we were losing offers. And it started to get a little bit frustrating. This was probably when I was about four years in. We started to lose offers. The market started to heat up a little bit. And I didn't really have 
too much knowledge of, you know, deep, deep negotiation strategies that I could use to get my clients under contract. And so I would, what I would, what I started to try to do is I just started to try to find little hacks that I could use here and there, right? I could shorten the due diligence deadline. I could have higher earnest monies. And so I started to try to get creative, but I, I basically did it on my own. And when I say I did it, by, by, when I say that I did it on my own was I basically would write the offer for the client. I would just tell them what the offer had to be. If the offer had to be 325,000 and the dates had to be this and your earnest money had to be this, I would just tell them. I wouldn't ask them. I would tell them and I would just say, hey, according to me, this is your offer. This is what you should offer. And for a time it worked. And in many cases, you know, clients felt good because they were getting under contract. They, in many cases, honestly, now looking back, they probably didn't even understand what was going on, but they knew that they were going to buy the house at $325,000 and that's what they wanted. So they were happy, but it was me dictating the pace. It was me saying, this is what you have to do. And in many cases, not even saying why. And so there was this interesting period where uh, that actually worked. And it worked for a long time. I got very good at writing offers. I got very good at negotiating. I got very good at talking to the other agents, trying to get information because we had to be creative, right? There was this new dynamic in the market where there was a lot more competition and just doing the basic cookie cutter offer that we were doing before just wasn't cutting it anymore. So when I realized that, I knew that I kind of had to step up my game a little bit and start writing more aggressive offers. But I, again, I would do it myself. And then I had one particular client who is a very smart guy. He's purchased multiple properties to this day. But I remember the very first time that I worked with him and we were getting to the point where we had to send an offer. And so I did what I always do. He said the home that he liked, I put an offer together and then I sent it for signatures. That was what I always did. But he's a very analytical guy. You know, He works in, in cryptocurrency and he's an investor and he's a very analytical dude. And so I remember he called me on the phone and he said, hey, I got your offer. But um, what are we doing? Like, why are we offering this? What's, you know, what's the strategy or why? And that question actually caught me off guard. It caught me off guard because nobody had ever asked me that before. Uh, and which is, which is weird, but most people just kind of trusted me. And I would kind of explain a little bit, not too much in detail, but I'd say, okay, hey, let's offer this much. And so I'm going to try to put the best offer together and then I'll send it to you. I would do that. I would send it. They would sign it and we try to get under contract. So there wasn't a lot of in-depth explanation when it came to offers. And so this guy really started to grill me and he really started to ask me these questions and he read the entire Repsy, which, you know, surprisingly not a lot of people do. And so he read the whole thing and he's like, what does this mean? And what, what does, you know, section 8.2B mean? And all these different things. What does section 13A mean? And I had to really explain it. And I realized that a lot of the the clients that I was working with were sending offers that were basically blind offers. And when I mean blind offers is they didn't really know what was in the contract. I did. And I felt like it was my job to know. And that's why they hired me as an agent so that I could take care of that stuff. But I started to realize that it wasn't a, the, a, the client should do what I say kind of scenario. I started to realize that that wasn't the healthiest way to go about it. I started to realize that it was more of a team dynamic that I had to learn to work with the client, with the buyer to actually put together the offer. I had to learn to listen to their concerns 
and what their biases were and you know the kind of strategies that they liked ver one versus the other and so there was this moment where there was this switch and the switch came probably around like 2018 i want to say probably mid 2018 20, maybe late 2018 early 2019 is when i kind of made that switch to say okay it's not enough to just write up a good offer and then send it what i have to do because at the same time, the market was getting even more competitive. So it was getting even hotter. So I had to be even more creative and try to find different angles to write offers. And so I started to realize that if I was going to go to that next level, I had to include the buyer in those decisions. I had to include the buyer in the math, in the clause structure, in the language, and all of those things that we do as agents. And at first, I'll be honest, it was a little bit weird because it kind of felt like I wasn't doing my job. Does that make sense? For a time, I felt like, well, you know, this is why people hire me in the first place. They hire me because I should be the one that's taking care of this stuff and kind of not bothering them. You know, they, you know, they just, that's the re that's what I should be doing. I should just take care of it. They can sign the contract. They can move on with their lives. They have better things to do. And so by me giving them all of the info and kind of pulling back the curtains and showing them how I was running my math, it kind of felt like I was not doing my job in the best way. And I actually felt like that for a while, but I knew that if I continued to do it, that the client would be more educated. They would be more committed. They would understand actually what the deal was. And then things would eventually start to, to get better. And that, that and that's exactly what happened. I started to realize that I, there were certain decisions that I could not make for the client that before I was making those decisions, I was deciding the earnest money. I was deciding the deadlines. I was deciding if they would keep all the contingencies or if they would get rid of one. And so I realized that it wasn't my place to do that. What I had to do and what a good agent does and kind of the, the way that I try to do it now is I show people everything. I show people the math. I show people all of the different scenarios that they have. If they need to get credits from the lender, if they need to buy points, I try to show them their interest rates. I really include people in the creation of the offer. And I found that that's much more valuable. I've had multiple people say, Hey, I appreciate you showing me everything that I do because I was working with an agent before and they would just tell me what to do or they would just write offers and then I didn't even know what was in there, which again, I understand because those are the very things that I used to do when I was first starting out. So it makes sense. But you know, as a consumer, if you're listening to this, what I would say and going back to kind of my three points is number one, you got to get educated. You have to learn to understand what is actually in the offer. You have to, and again, hope this is your agent's job to do this. In my opinion, a good agent will educate you, but you want to really get involved, you know, actually get involved, actually look at the math, actually look at the different situations. If you pay for closing costs, if you don't, what are the numbers? Are you going to get rid of this contingency? Are you going to put money above appraisal? Because at the end of the day, guys, it's your name on that contract, not mine. It's your name. It's your money. And eventually it's going to be your home. So I've learned that that's the way it should be. You know, we got to do this together. We absolutely have to do this together. My job is to give you advice, is to, you know, give you strategies, is to say, hey, I would do it this way. I would do it that way. I think that if we can go this way, then it can work. 
But at the end of the day, it's your decision. Because I also had experiences where I was pushing to be ultra aggressive, thinking that I was doing the right thing, thinking that if I got my client under contract, they would be happy. And so I would get them into very stressful contracts with very tight deadlines, with large earnest monies. And I just did it in this arbitrary way because I felt like I just need to get them under contract. Whatever it takes, if they get under contract, they're going to be happy. And I learned that that's not the case. I learned with multiple uncomfortable experiences that different people react to risk in different ways. Some people, even if they get under contract, if it's super aggressive, they don't like it. They don't want to be under contract under a scenario like that. And at first that was hard for me to understand because as an agent, you're like, dude, I just want to get you under contract, right? My job is to find you your home. But it was this weird paradox where I was getting people under contract and they weren't happy. And it was weird for me. It was like, what? Like, why are you not happy? You have this contract. And the reason why was again, because I was making these arbitrary calls and these arbitrary decisions on my own without including them when at the end of the day, it's their transaction. So number one, you really got to get educated on what you're going to offer and why, what are the different strategies? What are the pros and the cons? And number two, you got to assess your risk. You have to see how much of a stomach you have to take care of the risk, to actually manage the risk. And I've learned that different people have different risk tolerances. Some people are willing to go out there. Some people are willing to put non-refundable earnest money and they're willing to you know, cut due diligence contingencies and they're just going to go for it. And other people are not. Other people don't want to really put themselves out there that much. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay because, again, when I first started, the the mistake that I made was trying to be ultra aggressive with everyone, just everyone. I was just wanting to put p- people under contract, writing crazy contracts, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, and I started to get myself in trouble early on because different people assess risk in different ways. So you want to know what the risks are. And when those risks come into play, some people, again, are very comfortable with putting their earnest money on the line. Some people that that doesn't let them sleep. And so when it comes to this, you also talking about the consumer talking to you, the buyer, that's why you have to be involved because it's your risk. So your agent is there to help you navigate that risk. And again, this is a team effort. But it's your risk. If you lose an earnest money, it's not the agent's earnest money. It's your earnest money. So I've gone maybe in the extreme where I let the client make most of the decisions. I really do. I give my advice and I say, hey, maybe we could do this. I give them options. And of course, my job is to help educate you and to help kind of guide you and give you that advice. But at the end of the day, it's your call. And that was hard for me at first because clients were losing offers. They were losing offers that I felt like we could have won if we were more aggressive, but they didn't want to be. So if they didn't want to be, I had two options. Number one, I had to either sell the concept of a more aggressive offer, which I've gotten much better at when it first started. I sucked at it. Uh, I was just kind of a yes man. And the, the client would tell me something and it was not a very good offer, but that's what they wanted. So I would send it. So there was also this transition period where I gave the client more power, I guess, over the decision-making process and we were losing. And so then it, then it was like, oh, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? 
And over time, I started to learn, okay, this is a process. It really is a process. If the client doesn't want to be aggressive and I keep pushing the envelope, then they're not going to be happy. And they're either going to leave or they're not going to be comfortable. They're not going to be happy. But when somebody sees it for themselves, right, they see it for themselves. Either they've lost a couple of offers. We discuss it. We say, hey, I think that we lost because of this or the agent gave us this feedback. This is what happened. Then people start to, point number one, they start to get educated. And they're like, okay, it's not just what this dude is telling me, but it's actual reality. you know. And I've learned to build trust based on that. I really have. I've really learned to build trust with people based on that because they've often seen that I give them a recommendation, but at the end of the day, it's their decision. And so they make a call, they make a decision. And if something goes a certain way, it usually goes the way that I told them. And so if they went against my advice, I don't push the envelope. I really don't. I'm like, you know, this is what I would do, but it's your contract. It's your deal. Let's try to find a way to make it work. And if you want to send the offer like this, I'm going to send it like that. Because also my job is to respect your wishes and do what you want. And then when something goes south and it ends up happening exactly the way that I told them, people now trust me a little bit more. They're like, oh, shoot, like he was right. He was right. And so guess what happens the next time? So the next time there is more trust there. I have a little bit more input and then I can kind of pull them along, educate them a little bit better and help them make better decisions, not make them for them, which is what I used to do, but guide them along the path so that they see it, so that they understand it. And then they make the best decision for them. So number one, remember, you got to get educated. Number two, you want to assess your risk. And number three, I think this is the most important one, guys, it's you want to live with the result. Whatever that result is with every offer, you want to live with the result. And here's what I found. I found that when you get educated, when you assess your risk and you make a decision and that's the best possible offer for you, it's okay if you lose. It's okay because you know that you couldn't have gone higher you know that you went to the very edge. You know that you went to the very tippy top of your pre-approval. You can't go beyond that because there's too much risk that you're not going to qualify. So when people get that, it's easier for them to kind of understand the math. They start to understand what other people are doing. And it is what it is. And it's like, look, man, this is, this is the best possible offer for you. And if it comes up short, then we just got to go for the next one and the next one, and the next one, as long as it takes. But at least we know that you're putting your best foot forward. Because the the other harsh reality, guys, is there are people out there that have more money than you do. It's just true. There are people that buy $300,000 homes in cash. And so if you're up against something like that, there's not a whole lot you can do to compete. If you have a limited budget, or if you know you don't have a ton of cash, and you're competing with someone that does, it's natural to understand that you're not going to do well in that negotiation. You're just not. But eventually, if you stick to it, you're going to win. If you put your best foot forward, if you're running the math, if you're getting educated, if you're assessing the risk, if you're making good decisions, eventually it's going to break wide open. It always does. I've been doing this for 10 years, guys. It always does. But you have to know with every offer, is this my best? And if the answer is yes, then you live with the result. It's okay. 
you couldn't have gone higher anyway. Maybe you wouldn't have wanted to go higher anyway because you would have had to bring more cash or your payment would have been outside of your budget. And so people don't want that either. So they're, re they're, they're with every offer, you reach this point where if you go higher, it, you're getting people out of their comfort zone and you might risk money. Again, maybe it's past their pre-approval. They may not even qualify. It's more cash than they have. So now you stress them out because they got to go try to find cash from other places. And it's just not a good place to be in, if you will. So I just want to kind of talk about offers a little bit. I know this podcast went a little long, but it's such an important topic right now, guys, because every agent does it differently. And as you guys have seen, I've gone through different phases in my career of how I navigate offers. But I honestly feel like the way we do it now is the correct way. I honestly truly believe it's the best way because I'm not just giving orders. I'm not just saying, hey, do this and do that. I'm trying to educate you. I'm making you little videos. I'm showing you the math. We're doing the math together. We're talking about how much cash you have. We're taking a look at your interest rates. We're quoting it. We're seeing if you have to get credits, if you want to buy points, the differences in the numbers. So we're doing this together. And with every offer, we put together your best possible offer where you know what your monthly payment would be if we get under contract, you know what your cash to close is and you feel comfortable and you say, okay, this is as high as I'm willing to go. Let's send it. And that's the way that it goes. And if it goes South, number three, you live with the result and you just keep on hustling and you keep on working. But if you miss one of these three, if you're not educated, if you don't think about the risk, and if you get pissed off every time you lose an offer, you're probably not going to get very far. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. It means so much to me. If you like this podcast, share it, pass it on. Find me on Instagram, underscore Tony V2. Shoot me a DM. Until next time. Thank you.